Yes, there it is. Hello, hello. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to the sound of the start of your weekend, which, if you didn't realise already, is the NTT20 betting show sponsored by Fanslide. I'm Ali Maxwell. I've got George Ellick on the line. I don't know why, but we're both feeling pretty chipper. How's things, George? How are you looking forward to the weekend? Yes, mate, I'm very good. I am looking forward to the weekend, a weekend full of work. I am slipping into full of work and full of football. Uh, and luckily for us, our work is football, so it's okay. I'm um, I'm slipping into your usual seat at Quest on Saturday evening alongside um, a former Premier League goal scorer in Darren Bent, which wow. is pretty exciting. And then on Friday night, as ever, me and you will be going into Sky for Coventry against Reading. Really looking forward to that game. Looking forward to seeing Reading win 2-0 with two shots on target. And looking forward to playing Bounce Lights, as we have done for the last couple of weeks. Uh, really good to see yet more people joining the game. Mm. Last Friday, we had kind of pushing towards 200 people in there. We want to get it more. We want 250 in there on Friday. It's going to be a belter. People seemingly really loving it as well, which is great to see. Uh, you beat me again. You beat me again. Two in a row last week which is really annoying me um but i must say i'm still despite my early form figures of 2-1 um not really carrying on i am really really enjoying it and and the really exciting news is joe the founder of fanslide won the game on friday last week which was it shows that maybe practice does make perfect but he has very kindly instead of of taking 50 pounds that the winner gets and putting it in his pocket, he has decided to roll it over. So this weekend, this Friday, that means you will be able to play for free and be in with a chance of winning a share of an £150 prize pot. The game on Saturday is also going to be live too. Norwich travelling to Bristol City. So we've got Coventry, Reading, Friday night. Ali and I will be there playing against you. I need to be Ali. It's very important to my happiness over the weekend. <laughs> and then Saturday, lunchtime kickoff, Bristol City, Norwich will also be live on the app. The perfect companion to watching any game, but specifically we're talking about Friday night, Coventry against Reading, free to play, free to download, £150 prize pot on Friday night. And you can play as well uh, on Saturday in the Bristol City Norwich game. Please do join us. We'll see you in the chat. Hashtag anyone but Elec, let's move on to mm. our selections ahead of the weekend. Just a reminder that this podcast is for over 18s only. The topic is betting and betting comes with significant risks. Please learn more about them on BeGambleAware.org and please do not bet more than you can afford to lose if you're thinking of having a punt this weekend. We're going to head through the EFL slate, picking out what we hope are some tasty morsels. Last week, George did very well. Peterborough beating Hull in your nap. Uh, Brentford didn't get up for you, but Forest Green very much did. You also, for the second week in a row, correctly predicted what would happen in the Friday night game, going for draw in Forest Derby. Your no-goal scorer in Northampton, Charlton, did not cop 2-0 that one, although there was not own goal in it. So we almost had the, mm. uh, the the punter's dream, the no-goal scorer <laughs> bet, which ends 1-0 with an own goal. Uh, I did not get my nap up, Cheltenham. Did not do the business against Mansfield. Very disappointed there. Newport did win, keeping me alive. 2.7 winner. Argyle went ahead against Wigan, but then crumbled. Very frustrating. And Ryan Innes, who sadly is suspended this weekend because otherwise I'm sure I'd be on him because it's a hell of a CB first goal scorer in this. He made first contact on at least two set pieces last week, which resulted in goals, but he was knocking it down rather than knocking it in. So that's mm. one to watch when he returns. George Ellick, what is your nap this EFL weekend? What is your best bet, please? 
So loyal listeners will, will remember a few weeks ago when I napped, I think it was Morecambe at a big price and they won. This is a bigger price. My nap <clears throat> at bigger than three to one, around about the 16 to five wow. mark is Wickham Wanderers wow. to beat Sheffield Wednesday. Wow. Can you believe it? I love um, it. It's important in this game not to be too knee jerk. However, my knee is jerking after that performance from Wickham against Watford. It was so much better than anything else we've seen from them so far this season. That it just, and, and you know, there, there is a tangible reason for it happening. And I can't really believe I'm saying that, but, but Bayo Akinfemba's presence on that pitch changed everything for Wickham. It gave them a focus of attack. It enabled them to hold the ball up. It meant they were able to put in balls from deep towards a target man. And it, provided a test for Watford centre-backs that they were not used to having, a guy who they basically couldn't get near, who they couldn't muscle off the ball, who they couldn't beat in the air. Bayo's missed a few chances already this season, uh, one very bad one, which he spooned over the bar against Watford. And I think that'll probably continue to be the case. I don't think he's going to suddenly be a prolific championship striker. But there was enough in that performance against Watford to make me think that this first win, as Gareth Ainsworth says, isn't far away. In isolation, you actually look at each individual match over the last few and the results aren't bad. You know, they lost to Norwich away from home 2-1 with what was a very, very questionable free kick decision for Norwich. They lost away at Reading, a team who are blitzing those who, seemingly anyone who comes up against them. You think of all the other refereeing decisions that have gone against them as well. The, you know, the tug on the keeper from the corner a couple of weeks ago. Um, nothing's going their way. Mm. They're on one point so far in the season. Picking up one point every, whatever it is, seven or eight matches isn't going to be the way they carry on. I mean, th- these wins, or at least some, are going to come. And in a way, the, the long winless streak is, in my opinion, you know, a reason to side with them. Mm. They come up against the Sheffield Wednesday side who, not for the first time under Gary Monk, are just in total freefall. A 3-0 defeat midweek with a man sent off against a Rotherham side who, you know, are another side who expect to be down towards the bottom end of this league, towards the bottom end. A 1-0 loss at Hillsborough to Luton, it's kind of a similar story. I wouldn't be very keen on backing Sheffield Wednesday to score, let alone to win, and their odds against. That just seems mightily, mightily short, especially with Tom Lee suspended for this one after his red card. This is a strong bet. I still think Wickham are probably comfortably the worst team in the league. I just think things are improving enough and they're coming up against the perfect opposition to make those that price of just of over three to one. Yeah, it's it's too big. I'm sure of it. I like this a lot because I woke up this morning to a DM from a Sheffield Wednesday fan saying, hope you boys have got Wickham on your betting show for Saturday. And I have to admit, I haven't replied yet, but I smiled and I thought to myself, yeah, I can understand you're upset about that 3-0 defeat to Rotherham, but don't think there's much chance of us picking Wickham on the betting show. And I continue to underestimate you, George (laughs) Elling, and your jerky knees. Um, Mm. My nap is much more boring in comparison. It's Salford to beat Oldham at home in League Two uh, this weekend. Generally, they're around the 1.8 mark, 4 to 5. You can get 10 to 11 with Will Hill 
and that is what I'll be making the most of. There's probably a thought that Salford aren't doing particularly well this season because they sacked their manager and the reality is they're doing absolutely fine. They're still very much in touching distance of the top teams. They played a game less than everyone else because they didn't play in midweek due to some COVID protocol. Although I'm surprised at how long the managerial search is taking because I kind of assumed they had their their man lined up already. Uh, I'm still very much of the opinion that Salford are more likely than not to move towards the top end of the table, towards the top three um, as time goes on. They can get to 16 points through nine games. Uh, if they can beat Oldham this weekend, which I think they will, that would be the same total that Cheltenham and Exeter currently have, who, who we both think are, are doing pretty well, the same as Port Vale. So I'd expect them to be on 16 after this game. It's an Oldham side that I don't rate very much at all. They've been quirky, to say the least, this season, Oldham. Um, they've had a lot of goals in their game, 3.44 on average per game. The majority of them being conceded. They're conceding two goals a game on average, but they are raking them in as well. And that's thanks, genuinely, I don't think it's that reductive to say there was a period where Conor McElhenney couldn't stop scoring, but the team couldn't win. And then Zach Dernley took on the mantle and has scored mm. four goals in four games. And these are talented players. These are good good attacking players and goal threats. But I don't think there's anything particularly sustainable about this weird reliance in, in short-term bursts on individual attacking players. Um, so as much as I like Dernley and I think his goals have been very nice, and as much as I think McElhenney, um, I really hope, will sort of get his career back on track with Oldham, I don't think that the team in general is necessarily um, providing the platform um, for, 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 for winning football, essentially. So, um, you know who else has good individual players who are capable of winning games on their own? Salford City, George. Ooh. Salford City. Whether it's Ian Henderson or James Wilson or Brandon Thomas Asante or Ash Hunter uh, or whoever that they want to bring off the bench, they've got excellent individual players as well. I also think that even if it hasn't been fireworks so far, the system is solid enough. They've been underwhelming, but they haven't been as bad as, as people might expect. And Oldham, while well, they've won two games uh, away at Bolton, 94th minute winner, very much on the break, uh, and then beating Southend this midweek, as close to a, a gimme, I'm afraid to say, Southend fans, as it gets at the moment. Uh, as for Salford, the teams they have beaten, Grimsby, who were poor at that stage, Southend, Stevenage, they've beaten them all to nil, and I rate Oldham right down there near the bottom of the league. Uh, so I expect Salford to do the business here as they did there. Hopefully Salford's superiority, in my eyes, will show here and they'll get a win, and I can get back on the winning trail with my naps. What is your next selection? My next selection is Hull to beat Swindon at the county ground on Saturday. Um, we spoke to Grant McCann this morning on the Totally Football League show Extra Time, so if you're interested in hearing that, I recommend it, because he's a good talker, and it was good to get his thoughts. Um, it's fair to say that he's not getting too carried away by their start, but it is a very, very good start. They've won seven of their nine games so far, losing two of them. And in midweek, we saw them going behind 1-0 to a team in Bristol Rovers before basically just easing clear um, with a triple substitution in which all three scored. A repeat performance here would surely be enough. Swindon, <clears throat> I would say, have been kind of low-key awful, is, is the way I would um, describe them. They've won two games this season. One was against Rochdale, a 3-1 win. One was against Burton, a 4-2 win. Except for that, they've lost 
all of their games this season. So they've lost three in cup competitions and the rest of their league games. Their last three league games have been a 1-0 win, a 1-0 loss at home to AFC Wimbledon, a 2-0 defeat at home to Sunderland and a 2-1 loss away at Northampton. Now Northampton and AFC are still in my opinion two of the weakest teams in this league. They have you know the the, the free scoring but free conceding side from the earlier this season seems to have been replaced by a team who look toothless going forward and can't really keep the ball out of their own net either. Hull's run of form is long enough now and the quality of their players shows it's no fluke. I, I'm very surprised that Hull aren't odds on here, basically. They're, they're 23 to 20, kind of best price, 11 to 10 general. Um, yeah, I, I think they've got, I think they'll be very disappointed if they don't win that. And that's, you know, will be played out in my head as being a, being an odds on shot. So Hull my next best. How many times per season in the EFL do you think a team is not disappointed not to win? I reckon o- often a handful. Only what? a handful. What do you mean? Well, they're all some, competitive professional yeah, but some, athletes. Some, oh, you obviously go into loads of games knowing they'd take a point. Mm, potentially. I reckon, I reckon almost in most games you'll have a side who'd probably be like, yeah, okay, move on. Interesting point, but I think the mentality's a bit different. I don't think they've got quite the same grasp of uh, probability as you might do. But I do get your point, and I, and I accept that my flippancy has been... Uh, I enjoyed uh, Alex, uh, Andre Villas-Boas saying in the press that he didn't agree that his side were favourites against Manchester City in the Champions League. Well, yeah, no surprise. Man City were like 1.5 goal favourites. Stupid question. Yeah, well, I'm sure he doesn't bet because he's not allowed to, but clearly got a very good grasp with probabilities. Um, as for me, uh, I'm going to pick Cardiff to beat QPR uh, this weekend. At 6 to 4, 2.5 if you're a decimal fan. Um, and a big part of this, if I'm honest, George, is a reaction to the suspension of former friend of yours, Robert Dickey of mm. QPR. He's still a friend of mine. Still a friend of yours. Uh, follows you on Twitter, which we all know is a proxy for modern day friendship. And he is suspended for this one. Uh, there was a, a defensive lapse, not necessarily initiated by him, but continued by Dickey against Barnsley. Red card, Woodrow penalty, 1-0 down, Dickey off the pitch and suspended for this game. Now, uh, I try as much as possible to read everything that's written by a QPR fan whose Twitter handle is loft for words And I would recommend that everyone does the same because even if you're not a QPR fan, the style of writing is so unbelievably entertaining and also very, very insightful if you want to sort of take the temperature of QPR fans uh, that it's, it's worth a... It's worth a read. Um, I must admit, there's a part of me that looks at a 3-0 defeat to Barnsley where you went down to 10 men in the first half. And I, I want to say, don't panic. Like, don't overreact to that. You know, don't worry too much. But there's actually a lot more anti-Warburton sentiment than I realised amongst the QPR fan base at the moment. I think there's definitely an acceptance that slowly but surely the squad has been... Well, all of the best players that QPR have had over the last three years have sort of slowly drifted away, whether that's Eze as the headliner, but even players like, you know, Naki Wells and, and Luongo and Jordan Hugill and, and some of these guys were on loan, obviously. But, you know, Ryan Manning moved away the other day to Swansea. This is very frustrating to fans for understandable reasons. And I think the feeling is that they're just being chipped away at a little bit. Um, and I'm not sure how much of the blame Warburton should take, but... I say all that to say that Loft for Words made a, a well wrote a sentence that I really enjoyed that I put down in my notes here, which is adversity is kryptonite to this QPR team. <laughs> Basically suggesting that when the going gets tough, QPR do the opposite of get going. And that was in evidence in midweek. 
Loffer words makes the point that, you know, being down to 10 men and being 1-0 down doesn't mean you have to throw throw in the towel. doesn't mean you have to just chuck in uh, a terrible performance. And that is pretty much what they did. Barbe scored one of the funnier own goals you're likely to see. If you haven't seen Awful, that, wasn't it? make sure you, you have a look online for that Barbe own goal or watch the Quest highlights back. Absolutely sensational. And under the radar, I think, uh, most people didn't realise that Osei Samuel was out the squad because he's having some contract issues at the moment. He's out of contract in the summer. Celtic are sniffing around. Osei, he's not really sure what to do. The club want him to sign. Obviously, he hasn't done that yet. And Warburton decided to leave him out. I think probably he'll sort of, you know, bite his tongue and, and, and get him back in for this one. I, I think it would be pretty crazy not to but there's got to be a bit of a concern there that your best player's head is not necessarily in the right spot at the moment I don't know who will come in for Dickey I think it's probably Connor Masterson I don't have particularly strong opinions about him as an individual defender but if QPR play against Cardiff this weekend with a back four of Kakai, Barbe, Masterson and Hammerlinen who is the who is the American Finnish left back that has just started playing for them, having been out on loan quite a few times? I'm pretty confident the big Kiefer and the gang can have a, a pretty good time here. I'm by no means in love with this Cardiff City side, um, and I think they're one of those teams that if you've backed them, you probably want to avoid watching that game. They're one of those teams that's unlike, unlikely to win big and win comfortably, and so. Even if they win, even if your bet's a winner, it's probably going to be painful viewing. So I'll probably swerve it and just check the score every now and again. But I think that, that especially in the absence of Dickey, their organisation and specifically their strength can can help them here, um, especially if QPR uh, are not that keen on adversity. Cardiff, we know that actually they do still play long passes, even if there's some... Uh, desire to, to be to be considered a rebrand from the Warnock days. Um, they do play a lot of long passes, but they are good at it. They don't do it for the sake of it. They have good targets in Kiefer Moore. They have good players buzzing off him in Hoyler and Ojo and rules and players like that. And I think that they, you know, I think they can they can uh, make QPR pay basically this weekend. So two point five for me is the bet on Cardiff six to four there, and hoping that that goes well. Next up. Next up for me, I've changed my mind from what I sent you earlier. So I'm hoping this isn't going to be your next up as well. And you could basically stop this podcast now. Go back to the last couple of times that MK Dons have played at home and just drop in exactly what I'm going to say. Um, MK Dons at even money to beat AFC Wimbledon in in the big old derby on Saturday. I wonder um, if I could do that as an edit job. I wonder if I did it quite cleverly, if, if I could get away with it, if I could do it and no one would notice or, <laughs> or, or pick up on it. I mean, the reasons are exactly the same. They're really good at football. That's kind of it. They they seem to have this ability, at least at home, just to control every facet of the game, not really let the opposition have many chances. They've won those two games against Gillingham and Wigan, two sides of kind of similar quality to AFC Wimbledon, both of those 2-0 without really being troubled. Um, they're improving, I would say, in terms of results. They're, they're two away um, performances at Blackpool and Oxford. Not really cause for concern. They probably, you know, were unlucky to, to get nothing out of those two games. Um, what I would say is that AFC Wimbledon seemed to be the one side who I can never get right, ever. It was like it was like Ipswich a couple of years ago in the championship, where even though they got relegated and seemed to lose every game, every time I got against them, they'd seem to pick up a point. Um, but you know, Wimbledon are the kind of side that you have to you know, underestimate at your peril. It's it's handy that midweek they 
beat Blackpool 1-0. Blackpool ended up with nine men. Can probably draw something of a line through that. They, they scored with their first shot of the game. Um, their last away performance was away at Burton, which they drew one all. They're not a very good travel travelling side anyway. I, I think MK Dons, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, it should be a two-on shot, but I think even money's fair value for a side who should win this one. I'm going to League Two for Newport against Harrogate, and I'm picking wow. Mike Flynn's Amber Army. I know. Ooh. I almost surprised myself when I decided that this was my, my third favourite selection of the weekend. But I'm, I'm going to side with Flynn's team, uh, Newport. They are the 11-8 to favourites. I'm doing so in the knowledge that this is going to be an excellent game between two of the division's best sides so far this season um, and a Harrogate side that we have a huge amount of time for and I think everyone else is is enjoying watching them play as well. Um, their system is what sort of stands out first and foremost and I remember thinking this watching them play in the playoffs uh, as they won promotion uh, just a few months ago. You, you, you didn't, unlike some other teams, come away thinking there were necessarily any star players but you certainly didn't feel like there were any weak links and you felt like it was a very, very well-drilled team that had a few different ways of hurting teams that played good football but could also mix it. Uh, and that's a that's a very, very nice blend indeed. Um, at their best, Harrogate are magnificent. Um, the first half against Colchester the other day, it was it was brilliant to watch, but they didn't score. It was nil-nil at half-time. They're a bit unlucky, but they lost a lot of composure in the final third. And Colu nicked two goals from range, one of them heavily deflected, and Harrogate lost that game. Not necessarily marking them down for losing that game, but I, I, I think, I think, and this might come back to bite me, but I think they might be lacking a little bit, whether it's Naus at this level kind of stuff, like, you know, most of them haven't played at this level before and step up in quality, whether it could be put down to stamina or just being able to maintain those high levels of performance throughout a game I, i'm not sure but just for a full 90 i'm not sure this harrogate side are performing at that very high level that we've talked about a lot uh, for the whole game but it's true that when they burn brightly they burn beautifully which i've is a new phrase anyway newport by contrast i think have that robustness have that sort of yeah you know, i'm uh, I kind of said this about Cheltenham last week and they ended up drawing nil-nil, so it was a bit frustrating. But I have a lot of trust in Newport to manage games. It's based on the way that this team has developed over the last few years. It's got a core of players who have been there for a long time, who are very much at one with Mike Flynn's system, who have won quite a lot of football matches, obviously had a poor season last year, but just generally, I think, psychologically or, or in terms of team mentality, I think they've got an edge over a lot of teams at this level. That's obviously something that's very, very hard to, to measure. Um there's a lot of talk about them changing style in Newport and being more possession-based, but that doesn't mean that they don't still mix it physically with the best of them, because they do. And it also doesn't mean that they need the ball, otherwise they really struggle in games, because they've had a few games this, this season, especially last week against Bradford when they went ahead early. Bradford had 60% of the ball. Newport could not have been more comfortable. They're still very comfortable in their shape out of possession. They're very good at stopping teams from playing through them in the way that Harrogate want to. Um, their XG per shot against shows that teams are taking bad shots against them fairly consistently. And I just have a feeling that, that yeah, that one of their big traits, along with all that nice stylistic stuff and the more short passing, etc., etc., is that they can still mix it and they can still, well, they still have a, a sort of winning mentality uh, full of players that know how to win at this level and some star quality as well in, in the likes of Sheehan and Twine, uh, Shepard down the right and, 
Dolan, who's been brilliant, uh, having been converted to a centre back. So I am going to back Newport at eleven to eight. It's a it, it's a admittance of my heavy belief in Mike Flynn's Amber Army, and hopefully, like last week, they will get me a winner on this betting show. Have you got a bonus bet for me, George? Yeah, my bonus bet is in Gillingham. I've got a couple of goal scorers. The first one is the bonus bet. The second one is in the Friday night game. Really risking it all on the Friday night game mm. for. Um, for a goal scorer but going to Gillingham Sunderland I fancy Sunderland to win this they're kind of four to five which is probably fair um, but I think we're seeing now that Gillingham are a side which good teams will create a lot against and they've lost four games in a row they could have easily lost the one before that they're in a desperate run of form tell you who isn't on a desperate run of form Ali and that is Charlie Wyke who yes. is just scoring the same headed goal consistently which is great to see um, <laughs> and you know he's five to one best price for this you can back them each way at that price as well it's it's a game where Sunderland will likely be the dominant team they'll be playing with a focal point up front in Wyke I'd be very surprised if he doesn't have plenty of chances to continue his goal goal scoring streak he's as short as like 130 elsewhere so you know you're having to shop around to find that fives but I think that's that's very fair value Five to one each way, first goal scorer. Yeah, my bonus uh, is being split. My bonus point, uh, two half points here. And it's two centre-back first goal scorers, obviously. Um, still knocking on the door. Pretty encouraged by Innes' display last week. He was still 50 to one in midweek as well against Oxford. There seems to be a bit of a trend of centre-backs that I picked to score getting sent off instead. Like they're sort of... <laughs> Like they're sort of so excited about being selected that the emotions get get the better of them. Anyway, I'm sure that's it. It's <laughs> <laughs> very good, very cutting, very sarky, and correctly so. Anyway, um, I'm going for Dan Scar of Walsall this weekend uh, against Mansfield. Um, I suppose for the sake of this bet, I could say fairly arbitrarily that I'm hoping that Mansfield will be kind of rudderless um, now that Graham Coughlin has left and there's a bit of a void... Uh, an interim manager promoted from within, um, that they they might lack a bit of leadership and that they're just not in very good form anyway. And the reality is that Scar has taken a lot of shots already this season and hasn't scored yet. He's, along with Brandon Cooper of Newport, who is my second half-point selection at 40-1. to These are guys in League 2 who, as far as I can tell from the stats, and I've no reason to not believe them, uh, these are two centre-backs who are pretty consistently taking a, a, a shot also every game. And uh, I want to be on them before they score so that I can get the nice price. So Scar at 50 to 1 and Cooper of Newport at 40 to 1. I suppose it's probably worth having a penny on the double as well, just in case. Um, mm. What about the Friday night game, George? We're going to be playing Fanslide alongside Coventry versus Reading. Fanslide, as we know, the perfect companion to a Friday night game, free to play with the chance of winning some cash as well. The top seven of the leaderboard will win some money. The winner will win 60 quid with the £150 prize pot. I'm going to be playing, hopefully beating you for a third time in a row. You're going to be playing. And I'd like to know what you think about the game in general and a punting selection as well, because it might give us a little bit of insight into what your fan slide strategy will be, <laughs> dare I say it. Yeah, I'm really intrigued with this one because, I mean, the, the stat has been done to death both four years ago and now, but, but Reading have had the fewest shots in the league and the top of the league. So mm. this is a good opportunity to see them coming up against a side in Coventry who um, aren't going through a very good spell and don't come into it with much confidence. They held a decent Borough side to nil-nil until the last 10 minutes last night until they conceded two goals. 
and you know the odds at the moment have Reading as as kind of heavy favourites at about seven to five, which is which is totally fair, I think. At the same time, it wouldn't be a massive surprise to see Reading fairly soon draw a blank. You know, this is the 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 scoring rate is is unlikely to continue as it is at the moment. But our Coventry that side maybe not. I, I don't really want to bat Reading for that reason. I don't really want to get against goals because even though that kind of makes sense, we saw this 4-2 game uh, midweek against Blackburn, the kind of attacking confidence of certain players is important. So I've, I've kind of gone for a slightly left field choice. Mm. Lucas Shaw is a, is a goal is a, is a, a goal scorer in form. He scored four goals in his last five games. Good in all four of those and sorry, in all four of those games where he scored those goals, it's been the final goal of the game. Ooh. You can kind of see why that would be the case. He is very athletic. He plays off the last man. He is someone who, I think if you're a pretty knackered centre-back or you are committing men forwards, he's somebody who's going to look to exploit the high line and he takes penalties. So, it, yeah, it, it's a, it's kind of a trend bet. It's it's Lucas Schau to score last at um, about 5-1. to one. Obviously, that means if they win 1-0 and he scores, then you're also going to cop there. Um, as I say, putting my good record on the Friday night game in doubt hmm. here with a, with a fairly speculative nudge, but it's not a game I'm looking to have a big play in. So, um, yeah, kind of a, a stats-based bet that suggests it should be a fair bit shorter for a player banging form seems to be maybe the way to go. I've also got a goal scorer bet for this game. Could we both land it? It's no goal scorer. Uh, no, so we couldn't. <laughs> As you have spoken about many times on this pod, including last week, there's a very good reason for betting on no goal scorer rather than betting on nil-nil. There could be five own goals, George, and I'd still cop. And it's 15-2 yeah. to two with Bet365, uh, which I think is a, a pleasant price for a team in Coventry that are severely lacking confidence, who in their last three games have mustered 0.09 xG against Borough, 0.18 against Blackburn, uh, and a, a heady 0.87 against Swansea. They really are lacking confidence and they haven't quite seemed to work out how they're going to create chances at this level, having come up, admittedly, as not a team that created a huge amount of chances at League One level. C- certainly plenty for Mark Robbins to think about. And, and yeah, I suppose I'm kind of leaning on a bit of variance the other way for, for Reading as well, as tedious as that is to say out loud. And as much as I hate myself for saying <laughs> it, they aren't taking a, <laughs> they aren't taking very many shots, are they? Uh, and potentially that's because they keep going ahead and sitting on games. But potentially it's because they aren't uh, getting into positions where they create a ton of shots. So um, I'm, that's not to say that they haven't created some good opportunities that have been taken, especially by Joao and Meite. Um, but maybe they'll feel the other side of that. Maybe Joao and Meite will just stick them just over the bar, just wide this time. I'm going no goal scorer at 8.5, 17 to two, no, 15 to two. Good maths. 15 to two with bet 365. No goal scorer. I'm sure that will dictate my fan slide strategy as well. George, have you got any thoughts on how you're going to improve, basically? Because we, we went into this sponsorship thinking that you were going to be something of a star man. And quite, <laughs> quite, quite quickly, we're finding that not only am I potentially better than you, but the majority of our listeners and friends are as well. I mean, that is outrageous. <laughs> Firstly, I'd, I'd shout sample size straight back at you there saying you're better than me. Secondly, I mean, I've, I've come like 60th and 40th. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not down the bottom here. I'm still in the, in the top half of the table. Trust the process is what I say. I've yeah. been unlucky. Haven't nailed any goal scorers recently. I'm sure that's going to happen because there's no way this one's going to be nil-nil. So I'm sure that'll happen on Friday. 
I wonder if you might get what they call a PFGS, the perfect fan slide goal. I'm, I think I might. I'm, I'm, I'm get, might. Based on what you've said, I'm thinking Elise in the times two, Thruble to Joao in the times three, 80 points. See you later, rest of the leaderboard. What a moment mm. that would be. Do play with us, please, guys, on Friday night. Uh, download the Fan Slide app. It's free to download. It is free to sign up and free to play as well. And sometimes, including on Friday night, there is the chance of winning cash if you're good at it. The top seven will win some money this Friday night. £150 prize pot overall, 60 quid to the winner. But outside of that, we're getting such good feedback from people who are giving it a go that I'm very confident in saying it really is a, a brilliant companion to watching a live game on TV. Uh, we can't get out very much at the moment, can we? So if you're in, if you stick on Coventry against Reading on Friday night, make sure you stick around to 10.15 to see our segment this week, but also play along with us on Fan Slide. We cannot wait to see you there. Hope you've enjoyed the betting show this week at NTT20Pod. If you've got any questions, queries, problems, or just want to join in the excitement, if you agree with us, sometimes it's nice to hear what you have to say there as well. So um, be great to hear from you. Have a great weekend. We'll talk again on Monday, recapping the weekend action. Can't wait for it. Have a good weekend, guys.